Well, it's sure good to be in the house of the Lord tonight, midweek service. Turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Acts, chapter 24, and uh, we're going to take a little time in the Word tonight. Acts 24, verse 24, I drew a little bit from this portion of Scripture a few weeks ago, but I want to go back there tonight because I feel like the Lord dropped something in my spirit for us tonight. Verse 24, and after certain days when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, judgment to come, Felix trembled. Everybody said he got a little shaky. He trembled and answered. Go thy way for this time, and when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. But after two years, Porcius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. You may be seated. I want to talk to you for a few minutes from this thought, peril or pursuit, peril or pursuit. There's an old adage that says, you need to strike while the iron is hot. Now, that statement has reference to a blacksmith with a piece of iron that he's had in the fire. And at that juncture, when that iron is heated up, it becomes pliable and it becomes formable. In other words, the blacksmith can shape the iron the way he wants it to be shaped. But in a few minutes, after the fire is gone, the heat, the instrument has been taken out of the fire and out of the heat. After a few minutes, if nothing is done, it goes back to its old way of being. And then it cannot be formed how the blacksmith wants it to be formed. I want to talk to you tonight for just a little bit. We, we live in the age that thrives on convenience. The high demand for convenience is largely due to the fact that we live under the tyranny of the urgent. We, we live under the rapid hustle and bustle of life. And I begin to think today as the Lord dropped this into my spirit how 
oftentimes God inspires us. He puts us in the heat, if you would. It's called conviction. It's called a burden. It's called direction. And God oftentimes deals with us in different manners. But it's at that moment that we will determine whether that moment will become a peril in our life or it will become a pursuit in our life. I, I, uh, I guess by nature, and I don't want anybody saying amen. I guess by nature, I'm a bit of a procrastinator. And uh, I'm learning the older I get that when you put something off that you really want, if you wait too long, it gets sold. Somebody snatches it up. The other day, Pastor sent me the picture. I, I know a few of you know, but um, he sent me a picture of a little scooter and uh he said man this is nice i said are you ready to go he said man i didn't know you'd like it that much and so in 35 degree weather we drove to muncie and i bought a scooter Well, you'll see it sometime this summer. It's not really a scooter. <laughs> but my point is this. The type of, of toy that I bought, they don't make themselves available that often. And if you don't act at the time, you miss the prize. And there's something bigger than toys here tonight. There is a kingdom that's at stake. There are sons and daughters that are at stake. There are backsliders and lost souls that are at stake. There are ministries that are at stake. Are you hearing me right now? There are callings that are at stake. There are futures that are at stake and when God begins to deal with us and God begins to draw us and he plunges us into the fire and says I'm ready to form you and make something out of you that you do not possess the ability to make yourself it will either become peril or pursuit Convenience. Convenience is defined as a fitness or suitability for performing an action or fulfilling, fulfilling a requirement. Something as an appliance or device or service conducive to comfort or ease. And lastly, as the freedom from discomfort Something to create ease. We all love that. We like for life to be easy. Yep. 
But I want to tell you something tonight. I really feel as though we've talked for months now. Pastor has preached so passionately that God is trying to move us as a church to another level in the spirit. But we cannot procrastinate. You see, what happens individually produces collectively. Let me say that again. What happens individually produces collectively. And we, what your calling is and what your role and responsibility in the kingdom is may not be the same. In fact, will not be the same as the person sitting down the aisle from you tonight. But we all serve a purpose and God has a calling on all of your lives. But it is up to you to respond to the call of God. Not next week, not next month, not next year. But when the Spirit of the Lord begins to move you. It's not a matter of convenience. It's a matter of will it be peril or pursuit. And so we find ourselves in a particularly difficult place tonight. We cannot. I'm convinced that we're running out of time. And so, we cannot procrastinate. I'm going to give you a couple of quotes on procrastination. The man who procrastinates struggles with ruin. Tomorrow is the day when idlers work and fools reform and mortal men lay hold on heaven. Procrastination is the thief of time. Year after year it steals till all are fled and to the mercies of a moment leaves the vast concerns of an eternal state. At 30, a man suspects himself a fool, knows it at 40, and reforms his plan At 50, chides his infamous delay, pushes his prudent purpose to resolve, and in all the height of thought, resolves and re-resolves, then dies the same. If today has slain its thousands, then tomorrow has slain its ten thousands. A fatal mistake. This thing of not today, maybe tomorrow. Felix could simply tremble at the weighty words of the message that Paul fearlessly declared unto him. He trembled, and that's all, and said tomorrow when God speaking through the voice of a great apostle said today if I could reach you tonight with the word of God and cause something to be stirred up
inside of you tonight. I would say to you, you don't have the promise of tomorrow. You don't have the promise of next week or next month. But the Spirit of the Lord is calling you now. It's calling you to either peril or pursuit. you got to make up your mind. Am I going to die where I am? Or will I die pursuing the will of God to pursue the calling of God in my life? Peril or pursuit. Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now, everybody say now. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Oh, FBC, I have in my heart and in the vein of the Holy Ghost a word for you. The time is now. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, we accomplish things in your name. But they will not be saved because they were victims of tomorrow. It was always tomorrow I will pray. Tomorrow I will fast. Tomorrow I will find a talent to devote to God. Tomorrow I will allow God to use my life in the way that He wants. Tomorrow when I'm older and more mature, I'll find time for God. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. We hear sermons that convict us toward prayer. Toward a burden for others. For a hunger for God. And a desire for spiritual maturity. But it is always the call of the convenient and the difficulty of inconvenience. That renders all that we hear to be ineffective and useless. Can I just say to you. When the word strikes your heart, it is time then to pursue that word with passion. I, I believe, I believe honestly, honestly, that many intend to change, to do better. But the inconvenience of change causes us to say, well, when we have a new set of circumstances, 
When, when our finances are finally straight. When I get out of school. When school gets started. When we finally have all of God that we need. When I get a little older. When I get a little more spiritual. Well, if you get a little bit more spiritual right now, all of that other stuff that I just read won't apply. Always looking forward. Caught up in the dilemma of delay. Trapped in the lounge of looking for a better tomorrow. A more convenient time. A better opportunity. You see, men and women who live in the confines of tomorrow always tremble when conviction strikes at their heart, yet they have no power to respond. What are you going to do, Felix? I really love you, Paul. I really have confidence in your ministry. But today I choose peril over pursuit I want you to think now I'm I'm, going to try to keep this up here I'm going to try to keep it positive here tonight but I want you to think now I want you to understand now the timeline of eternity is getting short and when God's word comes across that sacred desk to you and it is to you when God's word speaks to you, He doesn't intend for you to take a time and space to decide whether or not you're going to pursue it or no. He's calling you today, today, today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of revival. Today is the day of ministry. Today is the day of moving forward in the kingdom. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise. Listen to me very closely here. Tomorrow has the capability to silence the voice of God. Tomorrow has the capability to shrugging off the call of the preacher. Tomorrow, this one's tough. Tomorrow reduces men to worms. The great dilemma... For spiritual progress to have to overcome is usually procrastination and compromise. Well, I'll do it, God, but here's my terms. Now, that's when the call of God becomes peril to you. Because God doesn't operate on our terms. 
The kingdom of God is not meat or drink. Somebody help me preach it. But peace, joy, righteousness in the Holy Ghost. That means you're not going to get any of that until you bring your life to the place that you are submitted to God in such a way that He's leading you and nothing else is. There were five foolish virgins. They were all pure. Just some of them became peril at the coming of the bridegroom. And the others, the bridegroom became their pursuit. Oh, The guests who refused the feast. Because of worldly commitments. It didn't hurt the man that was putting on the feast. It was a detriment to those that refused to come for whatever reason. Listen to me. You're not going to hurt the church. You're not going to hurt the ministry of the church. Because you decide to do something that's contrary to what the Spirit of God is doing and speaking and drawing and the Word of God is speaking. You're not going to hurt this. You're putting yourself in peril. I know this is heavy on Wednesday night, but I just got to do what the Lord said to do tonight. People the Lord called, but first they wanted to fix things in their world. Watch it, Genesis, Genesis chapter 19 and verse 15. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot. Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here. Lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered. I said while he lingered. God sent angels to save his family. While he lingered. The men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. Neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain." Lest thou be consumed. Now watch. And Lot said unto them, Oh, not so, my Lord. Why? Why, if God cared enough to send an angel 
to escort you and your family to freedom and salvation? Would you choose not to follow the leading of the Lord and the word of the Lord to the peril of you and your family? I want to talk to some daddies here right now. Your family is looking to you not to pursue peril, but to pursue the will of God. Our text simply states that Felix merely trembled. He didn't repent. He was a victim of tomorrow. Who was Felix? Just give me a few minutes here. I won't keep you long. You may or may not know this, but I was surprised when I studied it. Felix was the governor of Judea during the days of the Roman authority. He was born Antonius Claudius. A Greek subject was made a free man. I said he was made a free man. He was a slave. He was made a free man by Claudius, the emperor, from A.D. 41 to 54 and given the surname of Felix. When you investigate the writings of Tacitus, a historian almost as respected as Josephus, there's a lot of light shed on Felix. It is the musings of Tacitus that scars the forehead of Felix, born a slave and then elevated to the status of a king. Anybody hear me right now? I said he was born a slave and elevated to the status of a king. You were slave to your sin. And the Bible said when you repented of your sin and you were baptized in the name of Jesus and you were filled with the Holy Ghost, He said you are now kings and priests. But there was something of a slave-like mentality that Felix never escaped. His kingly crown only disguised a slave's mind. His robe simply covered the heart of a slave. He ascended in society but plummeted in his character. He was a slave to his own pride that exalted him to be higher than God. He was a slave to his own cruelty that sparked a civil war. He was a slave to violence and created roving bands of assassins to work for him. Rescued from slavery but still in chains. Susceptible to the flattery of every man and every whim. He was a slave to his own lust. And lured Drusilla away from her first marriage. A slave to the evil appetites that remained hidden within but not harnessed without. He was a slave to the trappings of this world and he loved self greatly. Now if you knew all of that was going on inside of you and God sent a man of God to you to tell you there's a way out. 
Drusilla, the Jewess, the Bible calls, calls her. Felix resorted to the sorcery of a magician to assist him in seducing Drusilla away from her first husband, the king of Emesa. Their immoral relationship parroted that of Herod. Listen now. Listen. Herod and Herodias. You know who they are? Herod silenced his preacher while Felix and Drusilla kept their preacher locked away in the dungeon. Felix never again reopened the case of Paul and he played with the apostle and kept him locked up. It's quite amazing when you trace through history to discover what men do with the voice of a preacher. The very voice trying to save them was the voice that was destroyed. Judas kissed his preacher and then betrayed him. Pilate washed his hands of his preacher and then let the crowd crucify him. Pharaoh scoffed at his preacher and it cost him the life of his oldest son. Consider Drusilla. She apparently inherited her traits about how to treat preachers. Her father, Herod Agrippa, had James put to death. Her great uncle, Herod Antipas, had John the Baptist beheaded on the wish of his wife. Her great-grandfather, Herod the Great, was in power at the time of the birth of Jesus and was responsible for the death of the children in the effort to eliminate the Messiah. Hear me right here. One may hide from the eyes of a preacher. One can revolt against the words of the preacher. One can even kill the preacher. But they cannot do away with the anointing that motivates the preacher. calling for and with the passage of time what had been inconvenient is now very convenient the only problem with that is that much water is under the bridge and a thousand and one opportunities have now obscured that fresh call of conviction that came years ago now the tables have been turned when it is convenient for you, it won't be convenient for God. Do you see why it is so prudent that we pursue now? We can no longer procrastinate the things of the kingdom. Again, I reiterate what happens individually will cause a collective move of God. 
And when you respond to the call of the Spirit and the direction of the Word for your life, it's like dominoes and the Spirit of the Lord begins to move across the congregation from front to back, from wall to wall. And there is a mighty outpouring of the Spirit of the Lord that cannot be contained and cannot be stopped. There's a great danger in delay. I said there's a great danger in delay. I read a story of a German farmer who settled in Guatemala, became very prosperous. After a while, he decided he'd go back to visit his family in Germany. So he saved his money and got on a ship. And after a few days at sea, he noticed he had an infection in his toe and realized that a small tropical flea was under the nail and had laid its eggs. It caused him terrible itching and inflammation. And the cure, everybody say the cure. The cure was to take a needle and bore through the nail and remove it. The German farmer decided to do that. So he got a needle and sat down and then he thought, you know, my uncle and his family in Hamburg have never seen one of those tropical fleas. So he decided to leave it under the nail. After he'd shown them, he would remove it. By the time he reached Hamburg, his toe was swollen and his foot was hurting terribly. He showed it to his uncle Otto and who looked and said, Oh, wait just a minute. The whole family would like to see this. So he left it in until all the family could see it. But the difficulty was that the infection got out of control. Got into the blood. And Charles Swindoll writes, He died of sepsis. What are you saying, Bishop? I'm trying to tell somebody it may seem so very small and trivial. It may look as though it's no big, like it's no big deal. But when you let it go and it begins to fester and begins to have its way, it won't be long until it will swallow you up. It will swallow up the will of God. It will swallow up the work of God in you. I'm telling you, it's either peril or pursuit. If God is speaking, if God is drawing, if God is dealing, don't you put it off. Don't you put it off. Make it a pursuit in your life lest it become a peril in your life. If you want to commit spiritual suicide that might even lead to physical death, let something smolder in your heart and in your mind. Nurse it. Coddle it. Reason with it. Justify it. But most of all, look for a convenient season to deal with it. You see, the vast majority of the time, the things that God wants to do with us and in us will come at the most inconvenient times of life. 
Procrastination is the mother of failure. A high charge, a holy resolution visits us. It happens in a church service. The man of God is weeping and preaching with passion in his spirit, knowing that God is reaching for souls and trying to convert. The soul of man from a direction that would cause that man to be destroyed and would become a peril. And the Spirit of God begins to deal and a conviction grips our heart and a drawing. It's unexplainable, but it's there. You know it's God. You know it's the Spirit of God. And it's dealing with you and drawing you. And, and you know you. this is the night. I've got to move. I've got to do something. This is the service God is dealing with me. But then there's something that comes along that says, Oh, there'll be another time. So we dismiss the convicting pole of the Spirit when I have a more convenient season. But before the season ever makes it, we'll walk a path that has no prayer. We'll navigate valleys that are void of repentance. And we'll entertain wretched thoughts that will ruin our soul. Dying at the tragic hand of inconvenience. Inconvenience says, don't disturb me. You preached it a few weeks ago, Pastor. God, you got to disturb us. you got to disturb us. Oh, church family. God wants us to be disturbed. He's trying to break through in the move of the Holy Ghost that will transform our city, transform our families, transform our individual lives. But we cannot push away the drawing power of conviction as He speaks to us for a more convenient day. Lift your hands to the Lord. Oh, God. I'm closing, but just give me just a few more minutes. Fruit of wasted opportunity will haunt us until the very end of time. Lost opportunities can never be returned. Lost opportunities will be tied with much regret. Lost opportunities will one day come to light and what we might have been. Felix is confronted. It's what the Word of God does. If the Word of God makes you feel all warm and fuzzy, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. Say, oh, Bishop, you don't have to be mean. I agree. I agree. But I'm telling you right now, if you think for one moment that Jesus walked into the temple that day and he said, okay, boys. I'd like for everybody to step back. I'm getting ready to clear out the temple here. I don't want anybody to be offended. don't want anybody to be hurt. 
But we got to clean this up because this is not just any house. This, this is the house of prayer. If you think for one moment that that's the way that happened, you're blind. I'm going to tell you something. I realize that it's not all in the screaming and spitting and carrying on. I understand that. That, that doesn't necessarily dictate that there's an anointing because that's going on. But you've got to know this, that in the passion, in the heart of a man of God filled with passion... There are times when it just oozes out of the man of God. Not because he's trying in some way to impress someone, but it's because there's something inside of him that's reaching for the potential of the future. And he realizes that he, he doesn't tap into it now. And somebody doesn't respond. It might be peril instead of pursuit. Paul would preach holiness, self-control, and a coming judgment. A message of holiness. Oh, it still works. I said it still works. You see, the state of right living is of great importance in the life of every man. Whether king or pauper. Paul proposed to Felix that every man had a responsibility. To a moral law in relationship with others around him. God's holiness also has a right, hear this now, to man's worship. It's not a question of man's inclination to worship, it is his directive to worship. He was created for worship. Worship is not a matter of pomp and circumstance or of whims and fancy, but worship is God's honor. Felix couldn't stand with his head held high at the conviction of the Spirit. His throne would elevate him above men. But it couldn't elevate him above God. I'm going to say something right here. Your seniority in the kingdom doesn't lessen the need for you to be in pursuit of the will of God. There was a message of self-control. Paul deals, begins to preach the message of temperance. In the margin of a lot of your Bibles where there is temperance, you will read self-control. Again, we have to look at life and understand that the very presence of Drusilla by the side of Felix was proof of how he had failed in that particular virtue. He was still a slave to his passions. His passions, not God's passions. Temperance is far more than just self-control. It's the virtue of self-restraint. 
self-command and discipline. Temperance is the holding of the reins of the conduct in the hand of the will. There's not enough earthly power or willpower in the heart of a man to maintain a true state of temperance. Can only come from the man who walks in the spirit and does not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Finally tonight, Paul preaches to Felix. He said, you need to know yourself. Know thyself. Please hear me, church. Much of the failure of man comes because he fails to recognize the limitations and shortcomings of his flesh. Oh, I can handle that. I can do that. I know the preacher said that on Sunday, but, you know, I, I can, I, I believe I'm, I, I'm man enough to handle that. I think I know what I'm doing. Peril. Peril. Because, you see, when the Word of God comes forth, it's not for us to pick and choose which, which part of it we want to apply to our lives and throw out the rest because that brings peril. But when the Word of God comes to us, it is for us. It is the will of God for us to pursue every aspect of that Word for our lives and not, not say to Him, you're going to fit in my life. We need to say, God, I'm going to fit in your will. I'm going to fit in your plan. I'm going to follow your lead. I'm going to listen to your voice. I'm going to listen to your man of God. Romans chapter 7 and verse 18. You can stand with me. I'm going to quit. For I know that in me... That is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good I find not. Know thyself. Felix, control thyself. And thirdly, deny thyself. You want to have a move of God? You want to have revival? We're going to have to know ourselves. We're going to have to deny ourselves. And we're going to have to control ourselves. Oh, but I don't think there's that much wrong with that. I don't think that's... A, no, you're not getting it. You're headed for peril. Because when the Word of God comes forth. Oh, well, you know, there'll be a day for that, preacher. Uh, you don't get it. Tomorrow is going to be the death of you. It's going to become peril to you. Today is the day of pursuit. Today is the day that God is calling us as the church. 
what will it be? Peril or pursuit. It's your choice tonight. Say, man, Bishop, this is, this is, this is heavy. Listen to me. In the presence of Jesus, in the presence of Jesus, all the facades of the role play, playing were stripped away in the presence of Jesus. And the character of man stood revealed. The Bible said God didn't send His Son into the world to judge the world, and yet the earthly appearance would result in a judgment at a future point. He's coming back. I said he's coming back. He's coming back. And it, it's, going to, it's going to be your choice. Whether when he comes back, that's going to be peril or pursuit in your life. Why don't you clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. So amazing to me. Somehow Felix thought that everything could be fixed with just a few dollars. The Bible said he hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul when Paul just gave him the very thing that was going to save his soul. Money wasn't going to help him. But doing the right thing. Two years would pass. And the process of change for him would forever be lost. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying that you don't wait too long to do the will of God in your life. God's got a calling on your life. Yours is not mine and mine is not yours. But you've all got one. And you must make up your mind whether it's going to be a peril or pursuit. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that you'd move across this congregation. God, that you'd touch our lives. That you'd help us to realize, God, that you've got a calling on our lives. God, that if we'll pursue you, you will lead us to do your will in our lives. And your will will produce great revival. Your will will produce life and not death. Your will will produce mercy and grace and not judgment. God, let it be our pursuit to do your will and fulfill your desire in us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you tonight, church. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow night at prayer meeting at 7 o'clock. Go by and get your... Postcards for invitation to Resurrection Sunday. In Jesus' name.